0: Recognized nationally for excellence in clinical care, Lord's Health System.
1: It's time for Lord's Health Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Being a new mom presents its own challenges, but when symptoms of postpartum depression, such as extreme sadness, severe anxiety, and hopelessness, get in the way, you need to do something about it. Because after all, Caring for yourself is as important as caring for your new baby and the rest of your family. My guest today is Dr. Rachel Schmutz. She's a psychiatrist at Our Lady of Lords Medical Center. Dr. Schmutz, tell us a little bit about postpartum mood disorders and how common are they?
0: Postpartum mood disorders are actually, um, it's not just depression. We, we talk a lot about, you know, postpartum depression, but there's a whole... Uh, there's a whole slew of disorders that people experience in the postpartum that they say, oh, I'm not depressed, but I don't feel right. We actually are starting to call them perinatal mood and anxiety disorders because that encompasses a greater range of symptomatology that's abnormal in the peripartum period. And I also say peripartum because now we're starting to understand that these psychiatric symptoms can start during pregnancy and also, and, and pre, they're prominent during pregnancy and they are a major risk factor for continuation into the postpartum period. So uh, postpartum depression is definitely the one that we talk about uh, the most because it's been in popular media and we're, we have a lot of research on it. And you described very well in the introduction what some of the major symptoms are. Other postpartum or peripartum mood disorders, including anxiety, can consist of extreme worry, um, extreme restlessness. I think one of the major symptoms that people experience that they don't like to talk about, but, you know, there's that old adage when, about sleeping when the baby sleeps, but people can't because they're too keyed up. Uh, racing thoughts, um, negative thoughts about the baby or themselves thinking themselves as a bad mother, thinking the baby that something bad is going to or some kind of harm is going to come to the baby. Um, lots of different things can occur in the peripartum period that um, are still very stigmatized and that women themselves don't want to talk about, which is quite sad because they're, um, they can be helped and people can get better.
1: Well, certainly, they can, and you mentioned now that it 's perinatal, really talking about mm-hmm. kind of all during the pregnancy so when mm-hmm. when is it that you're starting to see some of these? I mean some of them can happen during pregnancy, right? You worry not only mm-hmm. about the pregnancy but then about delivery, and you you know worry is natural for mm-hmm. us
0: so um i mean i'm i 'm actually a perinatal psychiatry specialist, so i see it's um, I see patients that come in even before they get pregnant and they're worried about experiencing psychiatric symptoms during their pregnancy if they've had a history of psychiatric illness. But sometimes a lot of symptoms start during the pregnancy. So I often see people when they're pregnant because they're not sure if what they're experiencing is normal and what's not normal. Um, and then, like I said before, there's a very, I didn't say this, but there's a very large study that looked at the incidence of postpartum depression and other psychiatric symptoms in the postpartum period. And we're under the understanding that 50% of postpartum mood disorders can start during the pregnancy. That's half. Um, yeah. So, And we also know that anxiety, abnormal anxiety, too much anxiety during the pregnancy that's not normal is an independent risk factor for developing a postpartum depression later on. So, um, you know, a lot of women come to me and say, "Is this normal? Should I be worrying about this? Should I be feeling this way?" And you know, normal things to worry about when you're pregnant. When you're pregnant, is, is the baby is the baby healthy? If it's a new mom, am I going to be a new mom? Things that run through your head constantly. Sometimes sleep can be a little bit disrupted, but it's not greatly disrupted by these worries. Um, sometimes um, people, it can be a little normal to be sort of extra. Um, to check on things a little extra often when you 're pregnant, so if you want to go for an extra ultrasound just to make sure everything 's okay that 's still kind of normal when you 're worried to the point where a person is worried to the point where they can 't sleep they can 't eat because they 're so uh, nervous. Some people a lot of times, especially when they 're pregnant if they 're so nervous and so worried, they can like feel that as symptoms in their body. it can worsen nausea, it can cause nausea, it can cause headaches, it can cause fatigue. You know, it 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 takes a tremendous energy to be, like, worrying all the time. So people who are extreme worriers or very anxious can be very tired also, but then they can't sleep, and it's it's a vicious cycle. So people who are pregnant who, like, need to hear the baby's heartbeat five times a day. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but people who can't sort of relax without any any sort of reassurance or definitiveness is is worrisome and it could cause dysfunction in that person. And some people can't work. They can't focus enough to, you know, um, carry on dailies of uh, active living. Um, It affects their relationship with their partners and their partners don't know what to do for them. And then they get frustrated and then they get anxious So these are signs that things are not so good. Um, But a little worry here and there is healthy because it can be motivating for you to do something. So, for instance, if you're worried about gaining too much weight or having high sugar during your pregnancy and your doctor says, well, maybe you should exercise, and then you're worried enough to, like, motivate yourself to exercise, and then exercise helps you feel better, and you're not as worried. That's sort of a normal cycle. Um, People who are worried or anxious during the pregnancy or in the postpartum, reassurance doesn't really help. I mean, it helps temporarily, but like it really doesn't go away. There's no relief from it. It kind of becomes constant. So those are things to be uh, aware of or concerned about if you're pregnant and you're experiencing these things.
1: So I really want to get into treatment and treatment options Mm -hmm. since there's been so much talk in the media. But before we do in just a second here, is there a screening Mm -hmm. For postpartum depression or perinatal mood disorders, is there some screening that you do with your patients?
0: Absolutely. In fact, the U.S. Health um, Preventative Task Force just came out about a year or two ago that um, highly recommended um, and and is and many many practices in multiple disciplines are enforcing this screening at least once during pregnancy and and screening all reproductive women uh, women of reproductive age. For um, of, for peripartum or postpartum issues, um, for all pregnant women get at least one screening and postpartum at least one screening. We use a variety of different tools. One, of course, is the clinical interview is by far the best, you know, talking to the patient, asking the questions, do you feel sad, you know, if it, and, and sort of making it a conversation. So, you know, it's very difficult sometimes when a doctor asks a patient, are you depressed, sometimes a patient doesn't know if they're depressed. Sometimes a woman doesn't know what words to put to their feelings. So using it as a conversation, saying, do you feel sad? Do you feel that you're not as, uh, you can't laugh as much as you used to at the same sort of things. Making it conversive and accessible. And then we also use screening tools. And one of the ones that's most prominently used is called the Edinburgh um, Postnatal Depression Scale. It has utility, validity, and reliability in when the person is pregnant. So it's, it's a little bit of a misnomer. Nowadays, it's not just for postnatal women. Um, I, as a reproductive psychiatrist, I do a screening at every contact point and in the postpartum at every contact point. Now, that might be considered excessive for, say, an OB-GYN or a pediatrician, but I think it's important throughout the pregnancy, especially if risk factors are pregnant, that it should be done at least once a month throughout the pregnancy and, and with most contact points after the pregnancy if the woman either has symptoms or is at risk for developing symptoms of a postpartum mood disorder.
1: So let's get into treatments in the time that we have Mm -hmm. left. And, you know, women hear about antidepressants, but they're worried about breastfeeding. They're worried about side effects. They're worried about all these things. Just give us a quick rundown on the treatment options and what you tell women about deciding those.
0: Yes. Well, it's hard to do a quick rundown, but I'll try to be concise. There are other options other than medications for when a woman is suffering from a postpartum depression or a mood disorder that's mild to moderate. For instance, first-line therapy, especially if the woman is um, breastfeeding, is therapy, psychotherapy. Um, There's a variety of different types of psychotherapy. There are group interventions that seem to be successful. There are specialists who are psychotherapists and psychologists and social workers who specialize in peripartum issues. So that is always an option and more and you know sometimes insurance is a barrier because not a lot of private practitioners take insurance but there are a lot we happen to be in an area actually where there are a lot of specialists um in this area that you can get access to that take insurance um that's always an option and it and it can be very very effective Um, Medication, of course, is a major option as well. It doesn't have to be first-line if the symptoms are mild, but if the symptoms are moderate to severe, it can be highly considered. What the... What the myth is or what the stigma is is that you can't breastfeed on medications. Well, that's actually not necessarily true. There's nothing that's absolutely 100% quote-unquote safe in pregnancy barring a prenatal vitamin or folate or or breastfeeding. But what we use is a parameter as to how much medication gets filtered into the breast milk. And usually we use a cutoff of what we call um, how much is in the mom's blood and how much is in... The baby's blood in research studies and case series. And what we find is the cutoff that we arbitrarily sometimes use is 10% or less. So 10% of the medication getting into the breast milk. Um, and um, most medications that we use as primary or first line treatment, particularly the SSRIs, which we use in sort of just the plain old run of the mill depression as well, are under 10%. Um, There are symptoms and signs to look out for in a uh, breastfed baby whose mom is on an antidepressant, but they are very, very low risk and very rare. There are other medications that are higher risk and more difficult, but when we're talking about depression, anxiety, the first line medications, SSRIs, tend to be relatively safe and relatively, and very well tolerated in breastfeeding. So it is not, they are not mutually exclusive. You don't, women need to know that if you're suffering and you need a medication, just because you're breastfeeding does not mean that you can't be on that medication. It's all about risks versus benefits. And often the benefits outweigh the risks by a lot. Um, and, and that's sort of where they are. There's new up-and-coming research that's very exciting in our field that's being done um, by uh, a research group that is looking at a particular compound that is specific for postpartum depression. And it targets the sort of hormonal, the sensitivity to the hormonal changes that contribute to the, the etiology or the cause of postpartum depression, or at least the presumed cause. And it's the, the prene- preliminary studies are very exciting and very positive. And in years to come, maybe in five years from now, ten years from now, we may have a first-line, highly effective treatment that will be specific for these disease complexes. Right now we don't have that, but we're in a very exciting time where this compound, it's not like the other antidepressants we have at all. Um, and so far it looks really good. So that might be something coming down the
1: pike. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Schmutz, with mm-hmm. really what you want women to know about seeking help, support, and what mm-hmm. they can do to better take care of themselves if they do get postpartum depression and speaking to their health care provider and really, and really seeking that help because it's so important.
0: hmm. I, I think that's a great question. Um, I think what women need to know is that not all worry is normal. If it's starting to affect you and you feel bad and it feels uncomfortable and other people around you are noticing it, it's probably not normal and that you should get help. You could go to your OB-GYN. You can go to your primary care doctor um, and discuss these things, hoping that they are well-informed. If you have a history of psychiatric illness um, before being pregnant, you are at risk for developing it during pregnancy and the postpartum, and prevention is the best medicine. If you have um, a history of psychiatric illness and you're at, on medicine or not on medicine, get into it in with a psychiatrist or with some sort of therapy therapy to help prevent any worsening of your disease throughout the next, you know, that the, the major transition of pregnancy and postpartum. There are specialists out there like myself and a therapist, social workers, group therapy that can help you. And with the proper help with the proper self care. And, and I think that's such a huge important issue without The mom being well cared for, the baby can't be well cared for. The husband or the partner can't be well cared for. The family unit can't be well cared for. It's central to the mom in most cases. So take care of yourself first. And if that means getting help, there are people available who can get help, and help is available, and with help, you can get better. This is not necessarily a lifelong disease. This is not necessarily something you're going to live with forever. With the proper attention, the proper self-care, and the proper help, you can get better and lead a happy life.
1: Beautifully put. And thank you so much, Dr. Schmutz. You are such a great guest. And I can certainly hear your passion about this topic. And thank you for sharing your expertise. What an important topic for listeners to hear. You're listening to Lord's Health Talk. And for more information, you can go to LordsNet.org. That's LordsNet.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.